0: Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjasad, and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to the human listeners and everyone else out there. Um, ben and I are a pair of people who, um, well, we like to visit Detroit, but not for, you know, personal reasons, but for professional reasons. Do you mind uh, explaining to the people uh, out there, subscribers, What we were doing in Detroit.
1: Well, it's uh, January, which can mean only one thing. It's time to get from CES to Detroit as quickly as possible for the uh, North American International Auto Show, which now takes place just a few days after the media days at CES. Or I should say the shows almost overlap now. Um, And so both Sammy and I had uh, various flights, uh, drives, in my case, an extremely long uh, drive there and back in the ice and snow uh, from Montreal, to check out all of it. It's the first auto show of the year. Um, it's a major auto show for the industry more so than it is for people. And this year was a little weird because those two facts um, just didn't really manifest themselves in the same way they usually did. Isn't that right, Sammy?
0: Well, I mean, you put it up uh, really well. We were talking about CES. We had a whole podcast on CES last week, um, and that has really taken over uh, some of the buzz that usually takes place in Detroit. What do you think? That's a that's a great way to sum it sum it up, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we saw uh, Fiat Chrysler ended up bringing a concept to CES called the Portal. And while that vehicle was on the show floor in Detroit, there was no press conference associated with it. It had already debuted. um, All the hype and everything occurred in Vegas the week before, and it was just kind of sitting there. Fiat Chrysler didn't have any major debuts at the show, which is unusual considering it's their home show. They're a Detroit-based automaker. And uh, even even a little more worrisome was the fact that this year the show ended at 3 p.m. on Monday, which is the first day. Whereas typically, you would see debuts also happening the next day on Tuesday, at least until noon, between 8 a.m. and noon. Um, but there was nothing. It was uh, There were only enough press conferences from automakers to fit into that one uh, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. space.
0: Well, I mean, it did start unusually uh, early on Monday, which uh, I'm not complaining about. Uh, I like getting these things over with. Nice and early. Um, but Tuesday was mostly full of uh, supplier information, supplier press conferences, which uh, are which are which further proof that Detroit is becoming more of a industry show than a consumer show,
1: yeah. And uh, they also had something called Automobility, which was um kind of, Detroit's version of what L.A. did with automobility <laughs> a few months before. Uh, basically, it's a way of looking at um, self-driving cars, uh, scooters, um, mobility solutions, quote-unquote, just stuff that's, that's not sold in dealerships, but uh, some people are seem to be convinced is the future of the industry, um, and there's a lot of hype around it, and Detroit kind of wanted to get a piece of that hype, and I didn't attend, so that shows you how important I thought it was to my readers and listeners.
0: I also didn't attend and could not tell you what mobility is about, um, except for when I went to the basement and there was a lot of uh, startup companies talking about whatever pie-in-the-sky idea that they had, which were some were really cool and some I just didn't quite understand. But hey. And
1: and I get to see John Hennessy do donuts in a tiny shell concept car uh, that seats three people like a clown, like a clown car would. Um, And that, that was kind of fun. But you know what? Enough of what Detroit wasn't, because there was some stuff there that was interesting and I think I want to start off with what Ford did, which was kind of stealth unveil um, some future products while showing us a new version of their bestseller, the uh, the 2018 F-150 came out. And um, the mm-hmm. uh, it's it's got a, a little bit of a refresh,
0: but the this big news. This is a news... big deal. No, this is a this is a really big deal. Not well, just a little bit of a refresh. Well, the use. styling wise, I guess it doesn't oh, look sure. that
1: different. But under the skin, you're right. There's, there's a lot a lot going on. Not the least of which we have a, a new base engine, a 3.3 liter mm-hmm. V6 to replace the three and a half that's that's been so dedicated all these years. Um, <laughs> there's also going to be a uh, turbo diesel version of the the truck coming out.
0: Which is a big deal because um, this is something that Ram has been doing. Uh, they've been selling the 3-liter EcoDiesel, and a lot of people are – in fact, the, the the take rate with it is so strong that uh, they're unable to supply it at the demand, right?
1: That's right. They only have, I think, capacity for 50,000 engines a year from VM Motori, which is the company that manufactures the engine in Italy. And they have to split that between the Grand Cherokee and the Ram. But, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, they might not have to build those engines much longer, <laughs> because uh, mere days after the Detroit Auto Show, two things happened to
0: Chrysler. Two, FCA, yeah. Two, two, yes. two FCA, two FCA
1: related. Who is now happened. taking? Who is now
0: taking over our Ford discussion? It's true. Sorry,
1: <laughs> Ford, you're you're on the back burner for, because this is the this is the ADD version of the uh, unnamed automotive podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're just throwing darts at a board here, and uh, it's FCA keeps coming up bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> um the first thing that happened was the EPA said that they were um accusing sort of accusing Chrysler of perhaps not being entirely truthful about emissions with their diesel engines specifically the diesel engines we just talked about in the Grand Cherokee and the Ram they said that they found eight different modules inside the emissions control system that they did not know what they did and that Ram had not told Ram and Jeep had not told the EPA what they did and that it seemed like what they were doing was allowing the cars to pass the sniff test in a test environment and then on the highway or under load um, operate in a manner that generated more power and therefore pushed out pushed emissions way through the roof. So
0: that's, that's really sneaky stuff. It is it does, sneaky. It bodes very well for... Um, Ford, because there, I imagine Ford has a better, or at least is, has been paying attention to Dieselgate, which started with Volkswagen and has now spread uh, throughout the throughout the industry in North America. I don't know.
1: I don't know if it bodes well for Ford. Um, you know, the, the the weird thing about this is EPA and CARB, uh, the California Air Resource Board. Uh, they haven't come right out and accused um, FCA of doing what Volkswagen did, which was knowingly defraud the testing process. But they've they've come pretty much as close as they can to making that accusation mm-hmm. without actually making it. Now, no one really has touched, aside from Audi, which had some of its V6 diesels in its a uh, the, the 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 truck diesel world is different than the passenger car diesel world because there are different standards for heavier vehicles. However. The Grand Cherokee and the Ram, the 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 light duty Ram, they fall under the same type of emissions as uh, as a passenger car. So this is kind of the first time the truck world has has been rocked by these kind of allegations. And you know that can't be good PR for Ford's diesel model. If everyone thinks that the the Jeep and the the Ram diesels are dirty, then they might blanket uh, make a blanket assumption the same is true of Ford.
0: Okay. Well, just one quick second. Um, I've actually reported on and helped uh, some of my colleagues report on some stop sales at BMW about their diesel engines as well, uh, especially in the bigger vehicles like the X5 and uh, X3. So, diesel. this diesel situation is is... This diesel concern is happening all throughout the industry, I think, here, but um, this is the first time we're hearing on a bigger scale, on a huge scale, in fact, um, that FCA is, is being accused at really high numbers. I think it's, I heard, over 100,000 vehicles being you, affected by that. Yeah, them. it
1: would essentially be every model they've ever produced um, since since they uh, debuted the vehicle. I think it's been three years ago now. But it's, okay. you know, some people have gone so far as to say that this is the end of diesel in North America as a viable uh, a viable engine, a viable drivetrain, uh, because people are demanding more and more power. It's not like the '90s when you could get a diesel from Volkswagen that generated absolutely no power, but get you 50 miles to the gallon. Um, mm-hmm. Cars are cars are heavier now, and people have higher performance expectations. So uh, those kind of those influences have apparently been enough to drive engineers, product managers, and you know executives to the point where they're willing to break the law to make that happen. So do do you think Sammy that this could be the end, or do you think there'll be some companies that like like uh, Land Rover Jaguar, which just debuted uh, two diesel engines of their own? Do you think they'll keep pushing forward?
0: I think there's still a chance for uh, diesels here in, in North America, and especially from automakers who are confident in what they've got. Um, let's talk about GM uh, as we move away from the the F one hundred and fifty, which was announced with diesel power and a new a new ten speed automatic transmission. Uh, let's go to their friends, uh, also in Detroit, the the folks at General Motors and uh, General Motors, who debuted a new Traverse and a new GMC uh, Terrain, which I believe will be getting a diesel power plant as well. Yeah,
1: a 1.6 liter uh, four-cylinder diesel engine. Um, and uh, GM also makes a diesel version of the Cruise, or will be bringing that very soon. I believe it's similar hardware, although I'm not certain about that. You know, and, the, equi-
0: and the Equinox.
1: I remember a story. Yes, the Equinox as well, which is the the the, the platform twin of the terrain. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I found interesting. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago. I remember reading about how um, GM's engineers couldn't figure out how Volkswagen was generating so much power from its diesel engine <laughs> yeah. uh, while staying within the the regulatory uh, limits. Like they they couldn't do it with the Cruise. Yeah, I remember real, hearing
0: that exact same story they said. Yeah. Or they looked at it and they said they couldn't figure it out. How are they doing that? Yeah. And they just did what they could do best. And I hope I mean as as far as we know they haven't been accused of cheating yet either.
1: Yeah. So so while the crews never really touched the same levels of similar but not quite it got the same clo- it got close. It got close, but not the same levels of power as Volkswagen. Uh, they stay within the lines or at least they're claiming they stay within the lines. No one said otherwise yet. So there are companies out there that are that you know aren't i think it's because for gm diesel sales are not vital but for volkswagen they were uh in canada for example it's it's half of all sales at, at the very least and in the united states for some models it was approaching 40 percent, and that's a huge identity wrapped up in diesel power and if you have to keep making improvements year after year while facing crazy tight restrictions uh from the epa i mean you're you're going to start you know doing whatever you whatever it takes
0: Okay, so while we can continue our conversation about the 2017 Detroit Diesel Show, I mean Auto Show, <laughs> uh, why don't we bring up the these two GM uh, products that came up uh, or or sh- revealed in the at the show, and um, let's see what you think about them because I have a very um, uninspired opinion on both of them. I don't think the Traverse Traverse is particularly interesting to me, but it's a very popular crossover that's uh, sold in in surprising numbers over the past two years, and I think this is the second-generation model.
1: Well, I I don't think it's surprising that it sells well. I mean, the pricing is good, it's practical, and it's relatively reliable. I mean, that's what a lot of families... Pricing is so important to a lot of families. Um, I don't have the same negative opinion as a lot of people do of its styling. I think that it's more generic than it used to be. I think mm-hmm. that the terrain was definitely an outlier in the fact that it was blocky looking. It had a lot of right angles. It was very truck-like. Uh, now it looks more blob-like, um, in, not in a negative sense, just in the sense that a lot of crossovers have a similar aesthetic, and now the terrain shares that aesthetic. So it's hard to blame GM for going
0: where the styling winds are blowing. Um that's to... sorry, go ahead. No, no go ahead. And then on the other hand, the Traverse, which had a very you know blocky, I mean a blobby sort of style to it before, a very family friendly. It looked like a, like a what's the best way to put it? Like a, the new Pilot, I think. Yeah. A little uh, bit, and yeah. now, now the new model looks a little bit chunkier. It looks more like an SUV. Am I? Do you do you see that too? It definitely does. I mean,
1: from the C pillar back, it looks a lot like a Tahoe. Or a yeah, U- you know, it's. But uh, I don't think it'll matter. Ultimately, um, if people cared about style, they wouldn't be buying these vehicles. Okay. Like it's I it I'm not saying that these vehicles are ugly, but they're not trendsetters. They're they're by their definition they, they got to hold a lot of cargo and they have to ha- have three rows of seating. And if, once you insert those requirements into a vehicle platform, there's limitations as to how it can look.
0: Um, Okay, well, uh, the the other more interesting things when it comes to the the Traverse is it got a 2-liter turbocharged engine with a 9-speed automatic transmission. That's Um, for the
1: the RS version of the Traverse. And what's what's interesting, too, I think, um, is that the Traverse and the Acadia, which used to be twins, are no longer twins. uh, Is
0: that... True. Really, the Acadia is now more like the Equinox. The Traverse is bigger, right? Well, if if you look at
1: uh, the Traverse is bigger, the Traverse is actually bigger. Here's the weird thing: the Traverse is not only bigger than it used to be, but it's smaller inside. It has less cargo space, about sixteen cubic feet less. Um, but uh, the, the the Acadia doesn't get the tur- turbo engine. You you can't get it. Um, well, weird. So that yeah, it is a little weird. Uh, because the
0: GMC is known more as the the, the up market. GM, uh, Chevy product, right? And, uh, and usually the turbos uh, is something you would pay extra for. And, no, uh, I,
1: I don't think you pay extra for it. I'm not, you know what? I'm not sure how it works. I think, I don't know how the product... Well, we don't have, we don't have pricing on these cars. Yet. No, we don't have anything okay. really. <laughs> but, right. uh... Anyway, um the, the other the other thing that affected FCA this week uh, continuing our ADD <laughs> line of confusion. So, you remember at the top of the podcast we mentioned that FCA did not do anything at the show other than bring a concept that they had already unveiled at CES and mm-hmm. kind of place it with very little fanfare at the back. What they did do was just before the EPA got on their got on their case, they a, a day after the show ended, they announced the Dodge Challenger SRT Demon. The which demon. is going to be the demon? Which is going to be an even more hellish version of the Hellcat? Apparently, okay. they're doing a, uh, a a huge video build up. Uh, it's going to be unveiled in New York, and what they're going to do is every couple of weeks you get a new video tease of the product. Uh, we don't really know a lot about it except that it'll be stupid fast. Apparently, but the real news is here fca just giving a huge middle finger to the detroit auto show by saying you know what we're not going to debut anything and then we're going to debut something really cool immediately after yeah Uh, i don't get it i don't understand what happened i know it's expensive for car companies to have a huge display in detroit Mm -hmm. but you have to think fca is good for it and it's their hometown show i mean what do you think happened sammy
0: I I really don't know what happened. I really wish I had more of an in, more insight into this. Uh, I agree with you; it's very expensive to to throw a press conference and a reveal. Uh, we saw one with the portal in CES, and to do it back to back on another vehicle in in another car in the in the FCA's uh, brand portfolio might either take away the buzz that the portal created, and um, and who knows? Maybe they, they were really banking on that because you know. FCA has just released the, uh, or or Chrysler has just had the Pacifica launch late last year uh, with the plug-in model, and they don't want to lose momentum on that, I suppose. But um, I can't see why they're they're deferring to after the auto show to bring up probably some of the more interesting news that we've heard from this week, which is a what a, more, a crazier Hellcat. And, and I mean, for the people who don't know, the Hellcat is a vehicle with 707 horsepower. Um, even if it made 710 horsepower, that's a ton of power that they would just like add to that. Like, I can't see them how they, if they had just said, oh yeah, we made the Hellcat more powerful. If they have just said, like made a banner that like spanned across their entire like, uh, auto show booth, that would have got a lot of attention.
1: Yeah. But they did nothing. (laughs) They did absolutely nothing. It all came out online immediately after. So it's, it's an interesting strategy. Um, but you know, there, there was a, there were a couple of other future products that were announced, uh, before we get back to what we saw. Uh, some things that we heard about but we didn't get to see in Detroit. Uh, cycling back to Ford, we're going to mm. be getting... They confirmed what we all knew for, for quite a long time, no matter what we've been told by Ford, is that the Ranger is coming back, the uh,
0: midsize pickup. Um, I love GM. That. That's great news. I love it, small pickup trucks because regular size pickup trucks have become huge.
1: And, and you know, these trucks, they aren't really that small. They're just smaller. But um, the, the GM has been doing crazy business with the Canyon and the Colorado, mm-hmm. and Toyota sells a lot more Tacomas than they do Tundras. So there's money to be made there, and Ford wants to get in on it. It's going to be based on the global version of the Ranger they have. Okay. And then uh, on top of that, we're going to get a Bronco which is going to be an SUV built on the Ranger's platform. So that's kind of fun um, because a lot of people think it'll be off-road oriented, kind of like a a Wrangler Mm -hmm. uh, in that sense, although it won't be nearly as, I don't think it'll be as rugged if it's using Ranger underpinnings because it's more of a, I'm not sure if the, uh, I don't have too many details on the global Ranger platform, but it's definitely not old school like the Wrangler is. So it'll be a breath of fresh air in the uh, -the off-the-shelf, off-road department. That's for sure.
0: As far as my understanding goes with the Ranger, there is a lot of uh, off-road frenzy about it, uh, especially in Australia, where it's where it's very, it's really popular. So I can see it uh, I can see it coming along uh, really nicely with the with that crowd. Um, and I love the Ranger, I really do. Uh, I used to, I loved it before it was discontinued. It was the per, it was a, such a perfect-sized truck. It was.
1: I, I had one for about a year um and uh, a couple of years ago or or just last year actually. And I really enjoyed driving it. It was a very honest vehicle. I mean it's it's a truck through and through. It wasn't comfortable, um, but it was it did it did what I needed it to do.
0: And you could get the right packaging for it. You can get a four by four with a manual transmission, which is like the most enthusiast um small pickup truck you could get, right? Like the most yeah. enthusiast oriented truck. I loved it. Um and we don't really have all that in the in the modern uh, small pickup truck market. Yeah, you, um, you
1: can You could also get a regular cab, which I doubt we'll see now uh, with the new Ranger. Uh, I'm not even sure if you can still get a regular cab Tacoma. I think you might be able to, but um, they're they're few and far between. Uh, the the Frontier, the Colorado, the Canyon. I believe it's all extended cabs. Um, you can't you can't get anything
0: other than that so i mean that 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 was also announced that was mentioned um and we'll find out more details hopefully this year although the two cars will be coming in 2019 and 2020 i believe so it's quite a ways off
1: yes uh two two three years off i mean that makes sense um they're gonna want to see how all this diesel stuff shakes out if they decide to bring one they're gonna have to figure out where they're gonna build it so they can avoid uh the chicken tax the uh, the tariff on imported trucks Um, it's, it's a lot of logistics for Ford. And that's probably why it took them so long to join the party because, you know, they sell a lot of F-150s and (laughs) that makes, that, that makes up for a lot of sins. I mean, if you have a hole in your lineup, but you're selling like three quarters of a million trucks a year, it's hard to really, you know, be down about that.
0: Okay, I I totally agree with you on that Um, should be let's change gears into something that uh, I think people are buying And we were talking about trucks. We're talking about crossovers Let's talk about something that um, a lot of people want to get made But I don't know if that this will actually get made and if it does happen if anyone will buy it and that's of course the volkswagen um, ID buzz that's the name of this concept, which is another Electric vehicle for from Volkswagen another electric concept from Volkswagen Um, and this one is another uh, Type 2 style minivan minibus uh, yeah, th- think
1: think of it as a giant "I'm sorry" card from Volkswagen about the whole diesel thing. That's that's what all these electric concepts that we're getting from them are. Because, regardless of whether diesel is dead in North America, it's definitely dead for Volkswagen. They are done with diesel. We are and not they- going to see more diesel cars from them, and they they're going to have to pivot, as the venture capitalists like to call it, uh, towards electric.
0: And every auto show, we get more news from Volkswagen about, oh, their electric cars are coming, and they're fantastic. They're great. They're going to change the – they're fully on board with the electric uh, – future, the electrification of their brand. And, of course, they have to to make up for this uh, dieselgate scandal. But um, the other thing is I've also seen enough uh, minibus concepts, <laughs> like, and they're not making – they're never going to make it, are they?
1: I, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I mean they might. Uh, here's the thing. Where's the money coming from? Because they're spending a lot on fines and buybacks and discounts for existing diesel customers. That really, really, I mean, really hurt them um, financially. And to to build a new EV platform, it's not cheap. And you know, you're not going to sell them in huge numbers like you did the diesel. So the the return on the investment is it's long term. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see what they do. I mean, people love the retro, the the bus feel. It, it looks cool. It's fun. They had success with Beetle, probably more success than most of the other retro designs that have made it to the market, with the exception of maybe uh, Camaro and Mustang. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know, Sammy. I'm I'm with you in in terms of will it be built because it's not the first one we've seen and probably not the last.
0: And if you did want a minivan to uh, truck around in Honda unveiled the latest generation of its um, Odyssey minivan. And that's as much as I really want to say about that.
1: Yep, let's just leave that there. It's (laughs) a minivan. Uh, They really did. So Chrysler raised the bar with the Pacifica, and Honda was content to just kind of make things better incrementally, which I understand, because they do a good job dominating the market. So they're not a challenger. They don't need to really step outside the lines. And well done, Honda. Uh, if you're into a minivan, go check it out. You probably won't be disappointed, although it is expensive. I will say that.
0: It can uh, come with a 9 or 10-speed automatic transmission. How do you like yes, that? Be,
1: yeah, well, I, I, I've i always found it a little bit weird that Honda just doesn't democratize fuel economy across the board. <laughs> they, they only give it to the people who really deserve it, a.k.a. people who buy the most expensive minivan. But, but you know, I'm not a product planner, so... Eh, maybe it's a, maybe it's a profitable strategy for them.
0: Okay, so while Honda was uh, unveiling their boring idea of family-friendly um, motoring, let's go to our friends at. Um, well, we can stay boring and we can go to Volkswagen, or we can go a little bit zanier and we can go to Audi. What do you think? No,
1: I think we I think we've talked enough about Volkswagen. Let's just say this: three-row Tiguan, an idea whose time has come, a long wheelbase <laughs> uh, compact from Volkswagen. Now they have two long way two three row cars in their lineup whereas before they had none <laughs> yay. so yay they finally figured out what people in north america probably want in an suv but uh yeah um wh- where else were we going
0: uh, or audi but hold on before we go you have to make this name uh, official the three row tig one should be called the big one eh right i'm not even gonna, dig- gonna dignify that with a response oh that's brutal okay be- so let's go because
1: to- <laughs> because for those who don't know the name Tiguan refers to a combination of a tiger and an iguana. <laughs> that is an actual thing. That is what the marketing material said when it was first introduced. The Big One is what? 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 What does it combine, Sammy?
0: The big tiger iguana. Why not? <sighs> you okay. Clearly don't, you clearly don't get it. Of course I don't. Let's go <laughs> to the Audi Q8 concept because um, what's your favorite market segment in in when it comes to big luxury vehicles? It's obviously the sport. Uh, active vehicle, the SAV, which is uh, vehicles like the Mercedes GL Coupe and BMW X6, which are these really funny vehicles with these lopped-off rear uh, hatches. So
1: like they're they're large and impractical. That's yeah. their big their big thing. And um, because of tire technology and uh, electronic stability control, they can also be made fairly quick. Um, they're not fun. <laughs> They're more like, it's more like having huge show muscles. Like, you know, you go to the gym and there's like that dude or that lady who has like the really crazy super buff muscles. Like he has trouble wearing a shirt and whatnot. It's like that. It's like, it's a spectacle, but you don't want to be that guy. (laughs) Like you don't, you don't look at him and go, that's my training goal. It's kind of like that with these weird coop things. Um, They get a lot of attention, but ultimately you don't want one in your driveway unless you want other people to just stare at it. That's, that's my take. Well, you'll, st- you'll stare at the Q8 because it's it's attractive looking, I guess. I mean, it doesn't look bad. It it's a concept, so it has a super low roof that we probably won't see in production.
0: I think. Um, well, I find German the German automakers to be really conservative with their concepts. Gen- I think we might see something that looks very similar to this in in the real world.
1: It'll sell in very small numbers, like um, all these vehicles do.
0: Of course, but uh, I think that makes a ton of money for them nonetheless because I don't think it's a huge. I don't know if this is going to be running on a new platform or not. Um, Probably not. And the only thing I know that's interesting, and who knows if it will make it to production, is a plug-in drivetrain that makes 442 horsepower and over 500 pound-feet of torque. So it sounds like a lot of fun, at least in a straight line. Um, and they also it also showed up in this gorgeous shade of blue. Uh, which really caught my eye, but um, while it we're was talking... a
1: very nice, it was a very nice blue. But you know what? I, I have an interesting proposal for for the remainder of this podcast. Uh, would sure. you like to hear this proposal? Hit me up. I feel like there's one more vehicle that we really need to discuss in detail, and that vehicle is the Kia GT Stinger.
0: Just one more car, Okay.
1: Uh, in detail. But after that, I would like to go to a lightning round format, okay, right? where we throw out the remaining vehicles <laughs> that we saw at the show, and then we each give two or three sentences. <laughs> just kind of outlining our thoughts are, was, are you down for that i'm
0: down for that of course why not okay. you threw me you, you're throwing me uh you're throwing me for a loop here and i can i can go for it all right um, so that's the kia gt stinger though is definitely worth more than a few sentences wouldn't you say yeah absolutely i think this was the biggest uh deal at the show uh mainly because it's both um interesting in terms of a and any general buyer would be interested in it and um it's a it's a whole new direction for a kia i think so it's a really important car and i'm glad that we Got the chance to see it in Detroit. Um, and for,
1: for those who who aren't familiar with it, it's a, it's a four-door sedan, um, but it comes with uh, rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive uh, layout. You can choose. You can get a uh, turbo four-cylinder engine, or you can get a twin-turbo 3.6 liter, is it? 3.3. 3.3 3 liter that generates 365 horsepower. Which you should pretty, you should know this engine really well. You were raving about it the other day in the G90. It's in the G90. It's the same engine that's in the G90. I suspect it makes more power than that, but that's what they're advertising. Uh, the hmm. G90 is very quick and smooth, and I assume this car will be too. Kia wants to take on BMW AL with this uh, sports sedan. That's, it, it's great to have lofty uh, goals. Um, I'm not sure how many people will buy this car. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a challenge for Kia to get people... To wrap their heads around this market segment and having uh, a Kia in it, but I think it's great. I'm glad they're doing it. Um, I think challenging the status quo is always awesome, especially when you have a good history like Kia of building uh, interesting vehicles.
0: Uh, this is going to be a huge deal for them. This is going to push. This is going to change the the direction of their company. It's going to show to consumers what they're capable of doing. And the moment somebody sees one of these in the in the showroom or drives one of them, especially. Uh, I have, I really don't know if it's going to be that bad of a car to drive. They've got the greatest, they've got a good team on on tap, and they've been testing this vehicle at the Nurburgring, almost exclusively made on the Nurburgring, which is a big deal. Uh, this is what the German automakers have been doing for years. And um, in fact, the the lead engineer behind all this is the same guy was behind the BMW M division. So why not uh, have a little bit of faith in what it can what it can do? I think I think I'm I'm sold on this.
1: Well, I'm I'm looking forward to driving it. That's for sure.
0: But um, there was one more thing that I thought was interesting. That it has a very fastback style um, body shape, and it's actually really functional. the The trunk is hinged from the roof of the vehicle, and it's a bit of a hatchback. So it's uh, if you want to look at a, a car that it really mimics, it's the BMW Four Series Grand Coupe, and the Audi A7. So that's a really that, those are really inspiring cars yeah uh, people the, love the, them
1: the grand coupe is uh probably my favorite car from bmw at that size i think it's 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 like a much more practical f- uh, three series basically
0: and uh this is going to be an, a very interesting vehicle uh and i can't wait to to learn more about it as it hits the market the only thing we don't know is how much this is going to cost uh it, if it, you're yeah if yeah. you're going to target that those automakers with a with a brand like kia and i'm not putting kia down if you could spend BMW money on a BMW, people are going to do that. Um, uh, they don't want a they don't want a BMW fighter for the same price as a BMW, right?
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: So it's going to have to undercut the competition at a significant um, a, a significant amount just to make it stand out, right? Well,
1: now that we've talked about the Kia GT, it's time for the lightning round. Are you ready, Sammy? Are you ready for the lightning round?
0: Yeah, let's see what uh, let's see what we can do here.
1: All right, bam. First car in the lightning round, the Infiniti uh, QX50 concept. What do you
0: think? I think it's very gorgeous, and uh, it's going to be a very important car for them going forward.
1: I, uh, I think it's gorgeous, too. I'm hopeful that they can actually sell a few of them, because the vehicle it's replacing was a very slow seller because it was a little bit small inside. So we'll see um, if they can capture that fun-to-drive aspect, but maybe give us a little more practicality
0: can we? Can I actually just say real quick before the lightning round goes into the next step, um, the GLA. It was another vehicle that was shown off at the auto show, and I think that's a direct competitor to the QX50. Um, and I'm much more interested in the Infiniti product than the Mercedes one.
1: I am too. All right, lightning round. Next round, Toyota Camry, 2018 Toyota Camry. Boom, brand new sedan. It's uh, their best seller, one of the best selling cars in the world. And did they mess it up, or is it uh, you know status quo for Toyota?
0: I think it's status quo for Toyota. They've been trying to make a more a sportier. They're trying to gain a sportier image, and they've done that again with the Camry. It looks a little too aggressive, but uh, it also still packs all the same good old Camryness that you know and love in it.
1: That's I, I would tend to agree with that uh, that assessment. Uh, keeping within the Toyota family, next lightning round member, Lexus LS, the full-size sedan, flagship car from Lexus, one of the most expensive cars they make. Trying to compete with the seven series, the A8, and the S class, how did they do with the new model?
0: Okay, they made another pretty vehicle. Uh, they toned down the scary grille quite a bit, um, <laughs> and I'm kind of sad for 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 Lexus because when they when the LS originally um, debuted way back in the 90s. Uh, It was seen as a legitimate uh, S-Class and 7 Series competitor, and I think they've really dropped the ball on on this vehicle. Either people don't know about it or people are just not interested in it anymore. And we've got cars like the Genesis G90 coming up that is stealing its spotlight.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. One thing that I found very interesting about the the new LS, though, is uh, it has a twin-turbo V6, uh, no more V8. I assume there'll be a hybrid version. They didn't announce it, but there usually is. But this is only the second turbocharged Lexus that's ever been built. The the other one being the NX entry level crossover. So you have the both the least expensive and most expensive members of the Lexus lineup now showing turbo power. So that's kind of a big step forward for them.
0: That is a pretty big deal. Uh, everyone's going turbocharged V sixes right now, and uh, it's good to see that Lexus is is not shying away from um, new power pl- new power plants.
1: Lightning round uh, continues with the Volvo V90, which was the it it got its North American debut uh, in Detroit. Not not such a big deal. We'd seen it before, but this is the first time seeing it in person. And I have to say it looks pretty damn good i'm really sad no one will buy it um but, but uh full-size wagons i mean wow it's, it's it's a it's a pretty looking car
0: i agree with you and uh i agree i agree with you on all points v90 a uh, beautiful car great to see it coming to canada sad or, or north america sad to see that it won't be sold uh to anybody in particular we also saw a slightly jacked up version called the v90 cross country maybe that yeah. will be more popular also known yeah. as the smaller version of the xc90 So the, <laughs> What are they? What's, what is Volvo up to here? Uh, they just want to get products in a showroom. I think you know what? Maybe it's what we said last uh, a few weeks ago when I said the um, the Polestar V90 was such a uh, V60 was such an impressive car, but it's such a disconnect from the rest of the cars that they're selling in the in the in the Volvo showroom. Now they're just filling the showroom with as many new vehicles as they car, which may be uh, as many new vehicles as they can, which may be iterative products, but uh, at least they all look new.
1: Yeah, they got to do something. I mean, you got to be in every segment, right? Especially if you're small, like Volkswagen, uh, like like Volvo. They they don't have a huge lineup. Um, we've seen smaller companies with smaller lineups do very well, like Subaru. But uh, that's because Subaru had a core audience and um, was able to grow based on that core audience. And I think Volvo is still trying to find their core after losing it in the 2000s. All right. Okay. Let's
0: keep going with this. Um, with this. With this lightning round, man.
1: This lighting round. Well, I'm 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 racking my brain trying to think of the I've next. I've got vehicle. I've got one for you. I've All right, one. hit me with it. You,
0: you I'll call it the Nissan Rogue Sport because that's what my primary audience will know it as, but you might know it as the Cash Key.
1: Why would I know it as the Cash Key? I
0: don't know. Actually, now that I think about it, you'd probably know it as the Rogue Sport <laughs> as well. <laughs> so my thoughts on the the Rogue Sport. It's a smaller Rogue. It's really pretty. Actually, I really like it, uh, and I got inside of it, and it's got a very nice interior as well. And that's it. <laughs>
1: if, well, if you think the Rogue is too big, now there's something for you. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> and then we had a new Mercedes-Benz, uh, AM, actually AMG product show up. Did you know that it's uh, AMG's 50th year anniversary?
1: I did not know that.
0: And to celebrate that, they're showing off a bunch of new cars, including the AMG GT, GTC Coupe that has 550 horsepower. What do you think of that? So,
1: you know what? i haven't driven it i don't know what it drives like i am going to reserve all judgment on it
0: all right well what, what do you think of the amg gt in general i mean do you think it looks pretty does it sound like a great car in, at, at all excellent you know what? what a great sound bite we'll go to the next <laughs> we'll go to the next vehicle which is the nissan V M V v motion 2.0 concept what do you think of that idea
1: Okay, so I did not see it in person. I actually didn't know it was there until after I left the show. <laughs> oh, good.
0: Excellent. So let me just sum it up for people. It's a um, crazier-looking Nissan Maxima, and uh, I guess it's going to showcase the next generation of Nissan design inside and outside of the vehicle.
1: Yeah, the, the video and pictures that my colleagues at Slash Gear took of it made it look actually pretty good. So um, I kind of I kind of regret not seeing it. I had a very busy day, um, but uh, I should have stuck around the Nissan booth longer. I, I checked out the support, but I didn't get a chance to see the content.
0: Uh, and we're running out of things to talk about. Uh, BMW five Series showed up in the at the Detroit Auto Show. Do you have any interest in talking about that? Um, you know what?
1: It kinda looks and seems to be very similar to the vehicles replacing, which is you know good for BMW because they were selling it. Uh, it's uh, not really breaking any new ground, I don't think.
0: Okay um and then what else can we talk about oh here's another nice one we should go back to mercedes because they have a new e-class coupe what do you think of that i
1: i think it's fun that mercedes is continuing to build larger two-door cars because no one else is right. um well it's true i mean yeah. you, the luxury segment used to have personal luxury cars like that everywhere uh lincoln cadillac uh mercedes uh even acura they were all building these cars and then that stopped happening when SUVs came around and obliterated the segment, and everyone just decided they'd rather ride around in a, uh, you know, very expensive sport utility rather than a very expensive coupe. So I'm all for the E-Class coupe. I like it. Um, I like. I, I just always like large coupes personally.
0: Okay. What, why don't we talk? I need to talk about one thing real quick when it comes to the E-Class coupe. Uh, have you seen the C-Class coupe?
1: I have. I have seen it and driven it.
0: And do you think it looks good? It looks okay. Do you have you seen an S-Class coupe? I have. And do you think it looks good?
1: I think it looks very similar to the C-Class Coupe, by mm-hmm.
0: design. What do you think about the E-Class Coupe?
1: Uh, I don't know where you're going with this. Where, where are you leading me
0: here? I think, A, they all look the same. And if anything, I don't know if I really like the way the, the E... Well, the E-Class Coupe just looks like a C-Class Coupe, but with the interior of an S-Class. <laughs> <laughs> Is that weird? I don't know if it's weird. I mean...
1: <laughs> People, I guess it's to scoop up people who can't afford the S Class but want to kind of look like they can afford the S Class, or maybe this is what they can afford and they want it to be as S Class like as possible.
0: All right, and I think that's uh, everything that we should t- we can talk about at the Detroit Auto Show. Um, I think
1: it sounds like there's some secret that we found out that we can't talk about.
0: Oh, always, absolutely. Um, <laughs> there's also um, the Chevrolet Bolt won some sort of award, the North American Car of the Year Award. Uh, it do, you have, do you have any opinions on that?
1: I regret not being able to drive it. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I was invited, and I unfortunately cannot attend. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm pro-bolt. Uh, I'm pro a car that actually exists and in the real world will be sold to actual customers in the EV space. And isn't just the product of some vast hype machine that's directly tied to a
0: stock price. So let's talk about that just right now because I'm a little uh, I'm a little annoyed. Um, you had the opportunity to, you have the opportunity to drive this car. Do you know any information about the program that you're on? Is it targeted for an American audience, for a Canadian audience, for a global market? What is the story that's going on here? And how did it get named the car of the year without uh, this drive program happening?
1: Well, uh, keep, keep in mind that Nactoy jurors um, have access to cars before the rest of the journalistic community mm-hmm. does. Um, there's an event in Hell, Michigan in the fall of every year where most of the vehicles are brought together for journalists to drive or they're delivered individually to jurors. So um, the decision wasn't just made in a vacuum. But uh, the, the event is just it's, it's the, it's the Bolt launch. Uh, it's taking place in uh, Palo Alto in a couple of weeks. I think it's a Canadian and American program and uh okay. we uh, at slash gear uh actually Chris Davies and Vincent, uh drove the bolt last year at CES there I, was a I did as well I drove that prototype yes. as well and I was very I was
0: very impressed with it then um I couldn't see the interior at the time and uh a couple of the, you know the controls weren't I mean not controls the the screens weren't working but um I just I don't know I wanted to, I want to hear more about this car when I, when a number of people are driving it, are owning it, when it's on the, on the market and people are buying it right now. And that's when well, it should that, be named car of the year.
1: Well, that's going to be very soon. I believe it's on sale at the end of the month. Okay, well. I'm not sure about that, but it's, it's it's definitely on sale very soon. And I think orders have already been, you know, starting to be filled.
0: Yeah, I do know that orders have been filled at a, at a very slow pace to begin with.
1: Ooh, wow. Throwing shade on the bolt.
0: Well, I mean, it, it's reaching people who are uh, famous way somewhere or another like steve wozniak and uh and like people who have some sort of significance in the ev community like um the person who bought the first bolt or something um so that's my that's my thoughts on it any weird stuff in fact no i'm sure you've seen some weird stuff at the detroit auto show that we should talk about i'm gonna bring up um a nissan leaf powered milkshake um stand
1: yeah, I remember that.
0: Which is essentially <laughs> um, a group of people making milkshakes for you, um, and their milkshake and their, their blender is plugged directly into the Nissan Leaf.
1: And uh, I just want to say they, they weren't actually milkshakes. They were frappuccinos. Oh, my
0: mistake. Frappuccinos.
1: Because I couldn't have one.
0: Right. Um, because
1: it had caffeine in it, and, <laughs> uh, and I'm a boring person.
0: Okay. Can I talk to you? They, the ice that they it blended was not very... Um, first of all, I don't know if this... I don't know if this is a great way to show off the power of the New Sand Leaf. I'd, I've never thought about powering my appliances with a uh, a vehicle. Um, I would totally blow up a bouncy castle with a Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and these first of all, the blender didn't seem to be powerful. Either uh, They didn't blend my drink well enough, but uh, there was a lot of ice in there. A lot of blender big... guide. Bl- blenderguide.com. Blenderguide.com. Uh, what else did you see?
1: Uh, well, I told you about the clown car with uh, John Hennessy. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, some really cool um, hybrid racing being uh, hybrid racers that were built by University of Michigan students. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they build actual hybrid race cars and then race them against other universities and they kick ass. Uh, I, I wrote a bit about it for Roadkill. And the thing I found funny was the next I phrase it as the next time someone tells you working on modern cars is too complicated. <laughs> just tell them that there's kids building their own hybrid race cars <laughs> um and it was interesting to talk to the engineer, the chief engineer, I, I believe her name was Gwyneth Cunningham. She said that I might have gotten her last name wrong there. I apologize, but she mentioned that they didn't when they got the batteries for the cars, um the teams didn't have. Full specifications so they weren't able to develop a regenerative system for them on the fly they can only charge the batteries in the pits or before the race mm-hmm. so they now they have like a, a more accurate spec and they're able to design a regenerative system they're pretty excited about that but she also told me that they weren't allowed to bring the batteries into the building at kobo because they were considered a hazardous explosive material <laughs> what so, yeah so the battery containers inside the cars were empty. Because uh, they, they weren't legal for the basement.
0: What about the rest of the batteries in, in, in being transported via, I don't know, a car? What? No, I <laughs> I would assume that an, an, an OEM has a certification oh, yeah, of certification. some kind right.
1: with a crash test and everything. But these these guys, you know, and the girls, they don't have the... I mean, they're not going to do that for a race car. It doesn't make sense.
0: Okay. Did you see the Michelin uh, booth at Detroit?
1: I don't believe I did.
0: Well, you would know because they had these two gorgeous classic um 911s done by singer um, oh
1: yes i remember now
0: okay and what do you think of that isn't that because it's weird because there was no porsche booth uh, to be found at all at, at yeah, the Detroit no porsche,
1: Show. no porsche booth no jaguar land rover booth no ferrari booth no lamborghini booth no maserati booth um
0: but yeah, there was a gac booth there was a gac booth That um, chinese
1: automaker uh for the very first time in detroit not in the basement or um, the hallway
0: on... <laughs> the yeah the entrance were... <laughs>
1: They were on the main floor of the showroom because there was enough space because a bunch of car companies decided Detroit wasn't important this year, coming back to what we had talked about at the top of the podcast.
0: Um, Absolutely. What else did we see? It
1: it was funny because Facebook reminded me today that uh, two years ago, GAC was in the basement with a concept car that had a fish tank in it. (laughs) Yes, I remember that. (laughs) The center console. Uh, I didn't see any fish tanks this year, but... uh,
0: Anyway. No, they're taking their concepts much more seriously. And finally, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to talk about one more automaker. Um, again, we're going to bring up Volvo. Volvo introduced to us not just a vehicle, but a family, as in an actual group of people who live together, uh, who will be test driving the very first autonomous self-driving um, Volvo. It's not quite a self-driving car. just go point to um, point without you intervening, but it can um, take control on a highway. And well,
1: I hope I hope they bought helmets. They ha- That's all I can say.
0: <laughs> this car is outfitted with a number of sensors and cameras inside the vehicle so that mm-hmm. Volvo can study the way um, that people react and communicate with their self-driving car. Wow. Weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely not 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 a program i would sign up for um i tend to drive topless <laughs> and uh i don't want that immortalized
0: yeah i mean i'm i'm always doing weird stuff in my car so i wouldn't want the the camera and for them to contact me later and being like uh what were you what you were doing was uh, very unusual for, in, in maybe you should arrest. see a doctor yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our that's our detroit show wrap-up is that it
1: I think so. Um, You know what? Uh, We're getting back into the normal swing of things with these shows behind us. There's not another major show until Chicago, and that's in uh, about a month. And then after that, another month passes by, and we have New York. So in between, it's kind of a crazy whirlwind of travel, uh, driving new cars, and uh, test driving cars at home. I know that uh, coming up, for me, Next week I'm picking up the Grand Cherokee Trailhawk, and then after that I have the V60 Polestar Wagon, which I'm very excited to drive. And uh, in the next month, uh, I'll be traveling to drive the Challenger GT, which is the all-wheel drive version of the Challenger, as well as the Dodge Ram, or sorry, the Ram Power Wagon, their uh, off-road pickup truck.
0: And uh, next week I'll be getting a closer look at the Nissan Rogue Star Wars um, Edition. Oh, my goodness, uh, a closer look. I won't have the whole week with it. Uh, one of my colleagues has it, but uh, I'm going to I'm definitely going to be playing around with that. Um, and then the following week, I'll be going to drive the brand new Mini Countryman or the medium Countryman, however you want to describe it, because it's huge now. Uh, in
1: jolly old Eng- in jolly old England, I believe.
0: Yes. Yeah, all the way in the UK where I'll be driving on the other side of the road and we uh, will probably be more focused on trying not to kill myself than at however the car drives.
1: <laughs> well, it's going to be fun, and we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, next week. We'll we'll be back with uh, more of our thoughts, maybe a little bit of a more cohesive show than this very um, <laughs> scattered and unusual discussion of Detroit. But uh, yeah, it's just been a hectic time, and uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate all of our subscribers. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play, and you can find us at SoundCloud. It's Unnamed Automotive Podcast. And you can also go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com and it will redirect you to our SoundCloud page.
0: That's excellent. And if you want to get in touch with us, that's really easy. You can do it on Twitter where you can find me at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing at me. That's H-A. Um, and you can find Ben um, at Hunting Benjamin. Hunting that's benjamin. correct uh, or you
1: can email me uh benjamin at benjamin
0: yeah see ben has a very strong email filter uh and it and it keeps out all of the low life and uh we'll get your your email straight to the top of the the inbox which is nice exactly as opposed to me exactly. which everything seems to just disappear into a junk mail filter and i'm so sorry if i missed your email
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right so thanks again for listening and we will talk to you next week
0: take care goodbye